Each year in June, the video game industry comes together in a massive joint effort to help three podcasters get very excited about a niche Japanese visual novel. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. On this episode, it's time for E3, which stands for Everybody's Extremely Excited that Danganronpa is finally coming to Switch. Some other stuff happened too. Maybe there was a new Metroid game or something. I don't know. It's hard to remember. Anyway, let's discuss. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Shire. And I just got a PR email titled, uh, Achieve the Ultimate Fantasy by Reading. <laughs> Which Whoa. I agree with. That's that I mean, is yeah. Definitely the That's actually kind of on brand for this podcast. It is. Uh, yeah. Well, welcome to Triple Click. Yeah. Right. Welcome to our books podcast, Triple where we click, like to read, <laughs> where we click on a book in our Kindle. I don't know. I guess you can click on a book these days. I started that joke and then realized it was possible. That happens very often to me, where I like start a joke about some futuristic thing and then realize that it is now possible. <laughs> so that's actually very relatable. Yeah. Maddie, I'm amazed that you are able to talk as calmly as you're talking. I right know. Now. Speaking of all possibilities being possible, there's going to be a new Metroid game. Yeah, I was going to say, before Kirk, Kirk <laughs> veered in a totally different direction, I was going to say, Maddie, I'm amazed that you're able to speak as calmly as you are because a Metroid game was just announced. But we will get to that. Yeah, I was I mean, I was segueing to the thing where we say that we're listener supported, but people know that. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join if <laughs> you want to become time. a member. We appreciate we it. So there's not time E3 for that. <laughs> there's a new Metroid game that we have to talk about. Uh, E3 <laughs> just happened, so let's get going. Well, we should say that the Beans cast for Final Fantasy VI yes. is hitting at the end of this month, and you can only listen to that if you're a Max Fun member. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. people know that. Metroid. Everybody okay, knows Metroid. That. Everybody already knows that. <laughs> All right, we are recording this on Tuesday night. Nintendo's E3 showcase just happened. Mm-hmm. Maddie, we have to ask you first. You have to start us off because as a resident Metroid fangirl, how excited are you to see the first new Metroid game in what, 10 years, 11 years? I'm very excited. It's also the first new story entry in the series because it's an actual new Metroid game with Yoshio Sakamoto who has written a lot of Metroid games, sort of a controversial figure because he's also written other M. And I personally don't really care about Samus's story at all. I just want her to be completely silent and I want to explore a planet and fight some alien species. And you fight robots in this game too. That's cool. Sounds great. And I'm really pumped about it. I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to collect upgrades. I'm going <laughs> to fight stuff with my blaster arm, my arm cannon. Yeah, they said they were doing a treehouse live afterwards and they very specifically were, were like, oh yeah, you see this thing and you can't, uh, you have to come back to it once you gain the thing that lets you do it. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, Maddie's wow. in, in fantasy world stuff. right now. <laughs> Love to see something I can't do right away, but then later I get something and I'm like, oh yeah, that door I couldn't open. Now I can open it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So Metroid aside, um, <laughs> E3 is over. E3 2021. We said last week we thought it was going to be a weird one. Turns out it was a really weird one. <laughs> um, virtual E3. It had its moments. It had its hits. It had its misses. It had a whole lot of stuff. Um, let's give some overall impressions on E3 itself this year before we start getting into the specifics. Kirk, you want to go first? What were your thoughts um, and how much of E3 did you actually watch? I watched a fair amount of it. I watched maybe, you know, a few of the big press conferences, but not all of them. So I watched like UB and Microsoft. I skipped Square Enix, but caught stuff later and watched Mm -hmm. Nintendo just this morning. We're recording this on Tuesday. It was fun. I mean, I thought that I probably had the most fun watching the Microsoft show just because there was a lot of new stuff, even though Nintendo also had some cool announcements. I wasn't as excited about all the Nintendo announcements, but I mostly had fun. Mm -hmm. And I will just say shout out to everybody in the Triple Click Discord who was just 
in our like live watching channel. It was really fun to just get in there and sort of, you know, joke around with people while watching <laughs> the streams. It was kind of like like the kind of thing I would have done on Twitter, but it was more fun to have a sort of smaller room with people where you can actually hear what everybody's saying and everyone's chiming mm-hmm. in. That was really cool. It You're not cool. just talking at people. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kirk, it's funny. I think you are the ideal E3 experience because you didn't watch any of the stuff between the big right. conferences, especially the stuff on Monday. And to give my overall impressions, it's like if you if you just watched the big ones, then you probably got a decent experience. I mean, obviously not as many massive announcements as like sure. your your average E3 because of COVID, as we and were saying. Like everything leaked pretty much. So there were almost no surprises. Right. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, most of the stuff leaked. Um, but like the stuff in between all that was just miserable. And it was like <laughs> all, all, all props to the people who like there were some cool, smart people doing segments and media segments and interview segments and blah, blah, blah. But like it was very much like E3 decided we got to appeal to the um, well, actually two things. I mean, a, a large part of it was E3 deciding we got to appeal to the teenage demographics. So we got to bring on all the influencers to talk about like who they most want to have dinner with in the video game industry and stuff like that. So that was one one giant chunk of it. Fun. The other chunk was like these scheduled events from game companies that were clearly not prepared to do E3 events. So mm-hmm. like um, Capcom, for example, they just showed some games that like everybody knows that are coming out <laughs> in the next two months and it, everyone was just miserable. Um, uh, uh, some some companies got to have advertisement. Like Verizon had an hour-long segment that was just an advertisement for Verizon. It was really ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff was just a such a waste of time. I really felt like like I felt obligated to watch it because of work because I was covering it, and I just felt like it had no respect for my time whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, me too. I watched a lot of it because of work, and there were a lot of streams. Like the Take Two Interactive stream is another example where it was mm. like entirely about corporate responsibility, and there was this sort of panel with a bunch of diversity and inclusion experts, which sounds pretty cool. But like, if you're by expecting... panel, you mean Zoom call to yes, be specific. Of course, it really felt like you were watching an office Zoom call. It was an office Zoom call but it was also like you can't really go deep at all on that topic in like a 40 minute officially sanctioned E3 stream but also people were clearly expecting news about Take 2 games and that's absolutely not what uh-huh. they were getting from this so just the chat <laughs> was really mad and it was just like if you guys didn't have anything to prepare here then that's fine but maybe just signpost that that's what you're doing like don't mm-hmm. make it seem as though this is going to be a panel about who knows what and then trick people into watching a Zoom call of just like a yeah. bunch of corporate people and it's, it's such good. a missed opportunity because usually when you're watching E3, you are watching, like if you're at home, I mean, we're usually at E3, at least me and Maddie, but when you're watching from home, you're watching the GameSpot stream or the IGN stream and they're just bringing on developers constantly to be yes. talking about stuff. And yes. that's so much more interesting Definitely. than what we got from this year's E3 where like there was a great opportunity there to bring on, even if the developers are just there to hype the games, it's just so much more watchable and interesting than the nonsense we actually got. Kirk, you yeah. were saying something before? Oh, yeah. I read uh, Nathan Grayson's article I could talk to you about how Twitch chat was just a disaster on every single stream because no one yes. seemed prepared to moderate, which I yeah. hadn't been watching. And it's funny. It's like the opposite of the experience of being in the triple to click discord with, you know, whatever number of people, but a manageable uh-huh. number of people where everybody's being cool. That was so cool. It is a shame that you couldn't just go watch on some stream and have at least a sort of similar experience to that. I did get the sense that there were some like indie game streams or some indie games announced. Did you guys catch any of that a stuff? A little bit. So there was stuff outside of E3. 
great. Well, so, yes, that's um, true too. There was like yeah. the Gorilla okay. Collective and the Wholesome Games, and those neither of those were actually on E3. E3 had an indie showcase that was pathetic. It was 15 minutes long, and it was like it was actually like, 13 mm, minutes. Games. Let's let's be um, exact here. <laughs> okay, Maddie, you got it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the Xbox showcase had a bunch of cool indies, which we'll get mm-hmm. into a little bit later. And but, the Devolver um, and, showcase had some. And the some Devolver indie showcase, well, yeah, that was cool. really good. Um, that was yeah, that was really impressive. And Keeley's show had a few. Uh, uh, indies as well but that was not part of E3 yeah like a little indie game called Elden Ring that I had never heard yeah. of yes. before it was really <laughs> cool to called Elden Ring. let's talk about that so that opened <laughs> off the show Thursday was Keeley's big thing He his big announcements were the Tiny Tina's Wonderlands Borderlands spinoff which leaked um, and Elden Ring which uh, there had been rumors of that showing up at Keeley's thing before the show so a lot of us expected it I think but it was still pretty cool to see the trailer was awesome I thought um, January release date we'll see if they can hit that but that to me is is very clearly uh, delayed a few times to January and now we're confident in this January release date and then even more exciting with the trailer there were interviews with Miyazaki the director afterwards where he said some really cool stuff there was one on IGN that I read that is worth checking out Um, did you guys watch the Keeley thing any any thoughts or impressions of the Keeley show yeah I did watch the Keeley show I remember almost none of it other than Elden Ring even though I yeah. helped cover it for work and edited multiple stories about it including probably a highlight post I'm not sure what that says about Keeley's show uh, but I do remember watching the Elden Ring trailer and then watching it multiple times afterward because I thought it was really cool I know some of the early reactions to it were people who were kind of disappointed that it just looks like Dark Souls, which I think for the people who were expecting something really different, I don't know why they were expecting that, but I guess if you Mm. were expecting something really different from Dark Souls, then you would be disappointed (laughs) by that. I was expecting Dark Souls with some George R. R. Martin frosting on top of it, and that looks like it's exactly what Elden Ring is going to be. And then also you can jump in the game, and there's a horse that you ride, and those are presumably the things that George R. R. Martin quickly added during a cell phone call with Miyazaki at some point (laughs) in the process. He was like, there there should be a horse in there. And uh, Um, that's uh, that's how that got in. So I'm excited. A couple of things, and then Kirk, I'll let you chat. I just wanted to add a couple of things that were actually announced. Death Stranding, P.S. Five yep. Metal Slug Tactics, a tactics game in the Metal Slug franchise. Um, uh, uh, Salt and Sacrifice, which is a sequel to Salt and Sanctuary, that old game by Scott Studios. Um, uh, I thought this was hilarious. In the middle of it, there was a trailer for Tales of Arise, which is a game that's coming in September, a new JRPG. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if Namco only agreed to do Elden Ring if they st- if, if Keeley agreed to put a Tales of Arise trailer in there too. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty uneventful show other than Elden Ring at the end. Kirk, any, uh, what were you going to say? Um, so I did not really watch this stream. I basically turned it on right before Elden Ring, which seems like it was a good way to go. I do have uh-huh. to say that I really appreciate Keeley's enthusiasm when he's a yes. host. He really gets into it, and he was so excited to debut Elden Ring, and it was yeah. just cool like how stoked he, he was. He was like tweeting all night. He was like, guys, mm-hmm. it's coming. He was yep. like doing a countdown uh-huh. as though he himself thought it was the most interesting thing in his right. show. And I was like, well... I guess we're all on the same page here. Yeah, I, so I liked that. Um, I liked the Elden Ring trailer personally. Uh, the theme appears to be yeah, I arms. Thought it was great. Um, I think that they're, the design theme is arms. So arms on everything, mm-hmm. put more yep. arms on things, which is cool. It's actually a sequel to Nintendo's arms. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. um, they're going to have some boxing matches. Um, I noticed that there was not a single shield in sight on any of the on any of the playable mm. characters. Like there were people with double two-ended swords, but it really looked like a much more sort of aggressive dodge-centric kind of a game, which I'm into given how great the combat system in Sekiro is, despite it being maybe a little 
literal, like a little bit hyper focused. They could kind of relax mm-hmm. a little. I wonder what yeah. that combat system is going to be like. There is stamina. They've confer- confirmed. That yeah, that's stamina. what I'm going to mention. Um, in the IGN interview, which I think is the only big interview, yeah, I um, think it is with yeah. Miyazaki that I've seen. I think I've just seen everybody sourcing that. He mentioned yep. that there would be stamina, but that it would be like play a diminished role, and that they're going to have kind of skills that you unlock across weapons, which mm-hmm. is also Sekiro style. So I'm interested. Yeah. I do get. I think when people say it looks like Dark Souls, they mean like the art style just really looks like Dark Souls, which like FromSoft definitely has a consistent art style across all of their games. That's just sort of the way the rags look, the way the hair looks, the way the wind blows through things. It just looks a certain way. But it does, you know, dark fantasy like Dark Souls. Like Mm -hmm. I can kind of see why, given that they have occasionally branched out with Bloodborne and Sekiro, people might be like, oh, well. (laughs) But then again, right, what did you expect? It's like they're... Yeah, well, also some of the enemies seem pretty Bloodborne-ish to me in that trailer. There's some eldritch uh, horror enemies. Yeah, these things tend to get cosmic the farther you get into them, and there's so much to Uh see, clearly. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to play the hell out of that game, and I can't wait (laughs) for it to come out. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I think I'm going to go through all the Souls games uh, uh, beforehand. Oh, nice. um, all right, let's get into E3. So E3's showcases, the big ones. We'll we'll just we'll skip the take two and try. As much as I know, people out there want to hear us like delve <laughs> into the Verizon yeah, God, conference <laughs> and the Capcom. Um, although Capcom did show the Great Ace Attorney, which is the they game did. I'm most they excited did. about this year. So hey, <laughs> a lot of visual novel representation in the C3. Um, all right, Ubisoft, uh, not a lot to show from them. They made it pretty clear. And I think I mentioned on last week's show that they didn't have a lot to show. Um, Far Cry 6 was a big one, which I will certainly play. Um, Gus Fring, I'll, I'll play anything he's in. Rainbow Six Extraction was another big one. Co-op alien zombie shooter thing. Yeah. Mario and Rabbids 2, which leaked. Nintendo actually leaked that themselves. <laughs> that morning by putting up the eShop listing early, a few hours early. So Mario Rabbids 2, which is cool. And then their big one more thing moment was a look at the Avatar game, which is like a reminder to everybody that Avatar exists. Um, which I never means forgot. that the movie... I never forgot. I, I, if you guys, do you guys remember last week we were talking, because I was talking about some of the Ubisoft's games, and I was like, the Avatar game, they're not allowed to show until like they're ready to start talking about the movie and stuff. So I assume this means that the movie is actually like in like done in production or like well into production and they feel confident about it coming out next year because otherwise they wouldn't be able to talk about the Avatar game which I mean which makes sense with this because like they're I I know that their schedule for that is like very tied to James Cameron and like James Cameron gives permission over all things Avatar and that sort of thing so um, yeah so what did you guys make of the Ubisoft show Maddie you want to start sure I mean it it seemed fun I Mario and Rabbids I'll play that that seems cool Rainbow Six looked really samey to me but I feel like I've seen a lot of alien games where like a lady is covered in goo and then you have to fight her and she has tentacles but <laughs> that doesn't mean that it won't come out and I'll find out that it's actually really cool and fun and then I'll play it a bunch of my friends that's always a possibility maybe this is the Far Cry that I finally play I do like Giancarlo Esposito but I feel like every Far Cry game is like really cool box art and then the actual game is another far cry game an avatar i'm not <laughs> kirk's giving you a death stare so right now kirk i'm not gonna say no there's there's some myth that i like think far cry is the pinnacle of game design but that is not true well you think far cry 2 is the pinnacle no 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 of okay when i say kirk is going to play it i don't even mean he'll enjoy it i just mean he's going to play it that's yeah. all i'm i'm merely stating a fact which is that kirk will play far cry 6 i don't know why he no right I was, I was more reacting to jason saying that i was giving you a death stare for saying that you wouldn't <laughs> like it like that's fine i haven't loved a far cry game in a pretty long time actually mm, fair yeah enough. you're just you know 
married to the series for some reason. I just liked Far Cry too. Yeah, I kind of, Maddie, to your point, I kind of feel like it's it's a waste of like a studio as talented as Massive to be working on a friggin' Avatar game. I know a lot of yeah. those people are going to go on to work on Star Wars, and that's a lot more exciting to me than like friggin' Avatar. But hey, I mean, maybe they think it'll make a bunch of money because the first Avatar movie made a bunch of money. Kirk, what were your thoughts on the Ubisoft conference in general? Yeah, I wonder how their first, how Ubisoft's first Avatar game did when it came out lining up with the movie like there is this weird thing with avatar where there's a there are people who like really really want to live in that world and to like Mm. embody it and it because the movie is about the promise of taking on this new incredible body that you can then explore this new incredible world in and like leave your old life behind like that's all video game shit like it's all very video games (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it lends itself to a video game in a cool way even yeah, I just don't know. I wonder what that game will be like. Um, I, overall, I don't know. Um, Far Cry 6 doesn't have me very excited. Like, I kind of got sick of Far Cry 5. I played a little bit of that, what was it called? The, like, post-apocalyptic one that came out after that that was cool. But I was just like, oh, my God. Like, if I unlock one more, you know, upgrade point by clearing out a compound of dudes, I was just like, <laughs> I just puff. don't care anymore. Like, this stopped being super yeah. interesting so long ago. So, I don't know. I actually kind of thought that the... Um, the intro was a little weird. Like there was just some uncanny valley stuff um, yeah. with Giancarlo. It just didn't. I don't know. And it's like that same thing. It's the exact same intro as Far Cry Four. Um, I saw someone saying Far Cry Four the best Far Cry. I think I've kind of maybe come around on that in some ways. As much as I love Far Cry Two, Far Cry Four is a pretty good game. I really like Three. Man, that's Three funny. doesn't hold up though. Like it's okay. Four is a superior game in a lot of ways. Anyways, well, whatever. just because what's his name Voss is an yeah, Voss is cool. Villain. By the way, fun fact: uh, now the villains of Far Cry Three and Six are both major characters in Better Call Saul. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, uh-huh. yeah. There's some some good actors have worked on these games. Um, and then Rainbow Six Extraction, totally a game that could be really good only because Rainbow Six is current iteration has really sick mechanical stuff and a lot of really mm-hmm. cool variety and it's way more like tactical and positional and smart and i could kind of see a like zombie defense game where you're really quickly setting up like perimeter defenses as you move around mm-hmm. using that game's mechanics being super cool so that one actually i watched that i was like okay like it is another game where you're just shooting there were a lot of games where you're shooting aliens or zombies with yeah. the team but i was like i could see this having a distinct spin so i guess we'll we'll see well, mm-hmm. so this feels like it's co-op stealth, which I think is interesting. I don't think uh, which is Rainbow I, Six I, I, I style. Played. Right? Oh, yeah. Is that is it usually? Is there usually a lot of stealth in Rainbow Six uh, games? I don't know. I've never played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rainbow games. Six is so it's like in the Tom Clancy universe. Like Splinter Cell mm-hmm. is the pure stealth game where you're a guy who sneaks around. Um, Ghost Recon is like outdoor stealth where you're like a army team that sneaks around in the woods rainbow six is like a swat team kind of stealth so it's like got it well it used to be like making a plan and then breaching a room and trying to like minimize casualties and stuff it's become a little more action-based than that and they kind of lost their way remember like rainbow six patriots the one where they had that big trailer with the bomb on the bridge that then never became a game it kept getting delayed i went to like a huge press event for this in san francisco oh, yeah it was so wow. weird well, like, i remember it getting canceled yeah, yeah so i think it became siege in some way or it did I don't like know, I don't remember this so they've kind of lost the single player thread on that and now they're like and let's make it a zombie or alien game and it's like okay right. so that's kind of right. where we're at now which is also like inspired by a specific part of siege like a gameplay mode that people really liked is what was yes. spun off into extraction which 
sure why not well what's interesting this game has an interesting dev history because it's like the team that was originally working on that game pioneer that was teased in watchdogs 2 and then got canceled and so there's a whole lot of history behind (laughs) right the game game. that you steal from ubisoft in san francisco in Uh watchdogs 2 (laughs) yep 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 and they were teasing that and then it turned out to not actually become a thing which is is i love how ubisoft puts their own games in their games like how you'll read an email thread in assassin's creed and it'll have like like Concept art from some Ubisoft game. <laughs> the Ubisoft <laughs> universe. Cool, the huh? Ubiverse. The grand yeah. Ubiverse. Let's move on. Microsoft had a big show. I thought they had a pretty good show on yeah. Sunday. They started off with Starfield. As we talked about last week, they had that specific release date that I think was further than people expected from the, the rumors. November 11th, 2022. Um, they had Stalker 2. Lots of Game Pass stuff. Halo Infinite showed up, although there was barely anything from the campaign. I think there was like a 10-second shot of a cinematic from the campaign. Yeah. Which I think says a lot so about yikes. that game's development. Still no release um, date either, which is still supposedly no coming out this year. But uh, isn't it? It's funny that Halo Infinite oof. they won't commit to a holiday release date, and Starfield they will commit to a holiday release date for the next holiday, which I think says a lot about game development. It's like Halo Infinite. Maybe it says a lot more about Halo Infinite development. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Outer Worlds two got announced as one one of the best cinematic trailers we've ever seen. That kind yeah, of parody fun. of cinematic trailers. Um, Tons of cool-looking indies. That, for me, was the highlight of this show. Um, Atomic Hearts looks really good. 12 Minutes looks so cool, and that's coming out in August. We will definitely be playing that and talking about it in this show. Replaced got announced, and that game looks gorgeous. That is like this cyberpunky 2D um, sort of just incredible-looking game. And then they ended the show with Redfall, which is the new game from Arcane Austin, Makers of Prey. Um, and it's a big vampire co-op game coming out next summer. What did you guys make? Kirk, I'll start with you. What did you make of the Microsoft conference? Um, I, you know, will play Starfield when it comes out. It uh, really bothered <laughs> I think me. we all will. It really bothered yeah. me that the sandwich was just sitting there on the counter with a single bite <laughs> taken out of it. We've discussed this a bit, but it's, yeah. but it's really gross. If you're going to fly in a spaceship, <laughs> you need to clean up your food before you do it. There's just going to be like mayonnaise uh-huh. all over the equipment. Hey, Kirk. Hey, Kirk. You see that sandwich? You can eat it. <laughs> you, can, you can go to that sandwich and then you can eat it. The magic wow. of, of next-gen game development. Um, Outer Worlds 2, the Outer Worlds strikes me as a series that could like nail the tone better on the sequel, so I'm excited I for that. I hope so. That was yeah, something I, I think, think we were all a little, mm-hmm. a little down on the first it one. It was, yeah. but we also, I think, I, I, it was a common sentiment that I at least felt was like, this seems like it has a lot of promise and they just didn't quite get the like the mix right on this one so hopefully that'll be cool um i've 12 minutes has been in the ether forever i remember like steven totillo doing a preview of that this is this like top-down time loop game where like there's a murder and you're trying to figure it out i think willem dafoe is they have this like killer voice cast Mm -hmm. and daisy ridley right and daisy ridley james mcavoy right is a killer yeah so that looks just really cool it's just the three Mm -hmm. of them it's like it's a three-hander it's very like theatrical right it's like a play it's, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's all in it's one a play room. a time loop play yeah, yeah mm-hmm. kind of yeah it looks cool and it's also on game pass i mean that was what was so exciting for me about this was how many of these mm-hmm. games are just going to be on game pass but anyway mm-hmm. i'll let you keep going oh um and then redfall looks cool i think it's funny i keep talking to people who get their arcane studios mixed up where like arcane leon is the arcane that makes dishonored and is making death loop and arcane austin mm-hmm. is the arcane that made prey and is now making redfall so it's like they're they're you know the same studio but they're different studios the same the same brand different yeah. studios so that's like worth mm-hmm. keeping in mind this is just different mm-hmm. people that are making Deathloop and it looks cool it uh 
that trailer also it reminded me of Left 4 Dead in that it was the cinematic trailer that showed what were clearly a bunch of discrete game mechanics in action. That very first Left 4 Dead trailer that basically showed the entirety of Left 4 Dead in a like five minute cinematic trailer I always thought was really cool. And this reminded me of that. So it was fun mm. trying to tease out what the game will be like. But then again, you know, they didn't show the game or it's not really clear like what it's going to be. So I'm mm-hmm. curious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. you can see the kind of remnants of ZeniMax deciding a few years ago, hey, we need more games as a service. And what's interesting is that now they're part of Microsoft. So we're seeing right now the games that were decided on three, right. four mm-hmm. years ago. Now they're part of Microsoft. Now suddenly it's all about Game Pass. Microsoft does not give a shit about games as a service as much as they care about getting cool stuff on Game Seems Pass. Seems like so, a way better incentive to me. Yeah, well, so it'll be interesting to see like Bethesda moving forward. Like, What if the Arcane Austin guys want to make Dishonored 3 after this or want to make Prey too, and Microsoft's like, sure, like the first game might not have sold well, but we don't care. We just want this to as to sell Game Pass. So it's really exciting. I would in a love way. it if they made Prey too. That would be fantastic. So that's well, that's what's really exciting to me. Mostly people look at the Beth Bethesda acquisition in two lenses: one, consolidation, which we've talked about, which sucks. The second is the console wars, which I could not care less about. But the third thing I think is the creative vision aspect of it, and how under Zenimax they were a lot more. Um, I don't want to say cash strap because Zenimax was a very rich company, but like they had to, pl- they had to follow the whims of the market in a way right. that They're I don't not think Microsoft. they have to do as much now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so maybe they will have the freedom to make games that they weren't able to make under Zenimax. So I'm very curious to see how Redfall is, and then also what they do moving forward. It's really the dream of anyone creative is to be bought by someone with so much money that you can just do right. whatever you want. Finally, yeah, because well, so the problem like not is paying attention to you really. Yeah, that's the what problem you really is want. when that uh. when that happens. It's like it's great for like four years and yeah. it's like and then suddenly they have a shift in like mm-hmm. their corporate yep. middle management and suddenly someone's looking at you and saying wait a minute why are we paying for this and then you're again? like wait a minute why did i sell the thing that i had control yeah. over fuck <laughs> what have i yeah. done yeah anyway yeah. unless unless you're sold to private equity and then come in and fuck things up immediately which yeah. oh, i thought you were gonna say and then it's which, fine yeah <laughs> and then everything great. turns out then great. it's fine yeah <laughs> Yeah, speaking of of co-op vampires, private equity companies. Oh, oh, um, hey. Bada bing. Maddie, what did you think of the Microsoft conference? Um, I thought it was really fun. I feel kind of sorry for Halo Infinite, but it's fine. They'll be yeah. fine. Maybe they should cancel it. I don't know. I was too late for that. <laughs> I <know> who can <laughs> say? <laughs> the multiplayer looks good. The multiplayer I'm sure the multiplayer is sure it'll be great. fun. Yeah. yeah. I will end the thought there. Starfield, I will also play it. I'll eat the sandwich. That'll be great. Very excited about Game Pass for all of these games just in general. I feel like 12 Mm -hmm. minutes is the epitome of an indie game that would be kind of a a tough sell for the average person because I'm sure it'll cost like $15 or something like Mm -hmm. that. And people will be like, really? Should I pay for this? Really? It's only 12 minutes. Why would I pay for it? Yeah. And it's only 12 (laughs) minutes long. Yeah. And, but if it's already on Game Pass, like that's the kind of low risk uh, startup for a game that just, I think, really helps. It's like, oh, it's already here. I can just click and install and play it and I think that's really neat and then also Redfall I just thought the trailer was freaking awesome I have no idea what that game's actually gonna be we already we had like expected it to be a battle royale because that was what all the rumors were about it and that was what we had pre-written and I remember mm. us frantically removing oh, all references to that when we like had to write out <laughs> our news so post about Redfall. And the art style had a little bit of Fortnite did, energy which yeah. I like wasn't wild about like the art yeah. was a little bit I feel like at too... one point in development it may have been that and like yeah. we had heard that at some point and like <laughs> I, I'm really curious about what the development was for that game and I'm sure we'll find out sure. eventually. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah it's tough because I'll get really excited about cinematic trailers like Starfield or Redfall and then it'd be like that's not the video game. Like none of 
of that right. is showing anything. And that was made by people who don't work at the studio most of right. the time. <laughs> like usually they're outsourcing that and being like, can you just make something cool that looks kind of like this and we'll show you some concept art. And it's like, well, yeah, you call up blur and you say, Hey game. blur. Yeah. <laughs> trailer. Yeah. So yeah, it looked great, but, uh, Starfield, yeah. it's worth noting Starfield's trailer. They said was in engine. Oh, just, fair enough. Okay. Which doesn't mean that's what the game is going to look like. <laughs> no, it just no, means it that they not. were capturing it in their real time engine. Yep. Um, Did you see that interview where somebody like mentioned that you can climb a ladder in the trailer to Todd Howard and he like immediately backtracked and was, was like, like, I'm no, not no, confirming no, no. that you can actually <laughs> climb a ladder in the game. Yeah, I was like, yeah, nothing yeah. in this trailer is real. It's, so it's all funny. smoke and there that's was funny. also someone asked him about Tom Cruise being in it because apparently yeah. there was this rumor floating around that Tom Cruise was going to start. Yeah, I saw that too. I didn't even hear that rumor. Which so is it was like, funny to see people being but, like, don't worry, he's not in yeah. it. And it I'm doesn't like, seem okay. like Tom Cruise's next big step. It's funny because the Bethesda Game Studio games always have some celebrity, whether it's like Ron Perlman or uh, Patrick Stewart in, in Oblivion. Um, or who is it in Skyrim? Liam Neeson was it in Skyrim? Uh, and they always like show up at the beginning and then die or something like right, that. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. But or yeah, no, uh, mm-hmm. I think Starfield, the rumors for that game really got out of control. <laughs> yeah. People were saying there was one rumor that I saw that kind of was what triggered me to start reporting on this was um, it's been done and they've just been sitting on it for this year. That was <laughs> yeah. that was a rumor I saw. That it's pe- just going to come right People believe this shit. Yeah, yeah. This this game we're sitting we're sitting on this. Well, game. people done. people believe things they want to believe. And that would be really cool if that was I true. I think that's it. It's interesting. It's <laughs> We do live in a world where a 2D Metroid was basically done and being sat on for a really long time. True. I mean, sometimes Starfield is too high of a scope for that to happen. But like but, every now and then there will be a game that's like, and you're going to get to play it today or like in a few months. And that's really exciting. Yeah, but done <laughs> is 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 yeah. a different. No, like, I know. That 2D yeah. Metroid game is not done. It is being polished. No, right it's now. more right. just like understanding the thinking that could lead someone to believe that or to want to believe that enough to just yeah, believe it. That's the thing. It's all wishful thinking. That Well, that's what's exciting about e3 e3 yeah. is all about wishful thinking and people it's it's more exciting pre-e3 is way more exciting than during or post e3 because like pre-e3 it exists in your head it's like oh my god nintendo could announce anything tomorrow <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah let's move on speaking of things that are more exciting before they actually happen square enix did their show <laughs> yeah and their big thing was guardians of the galaxy which i'm sure um I mean, I thought it looked good. A lot yeah. of people didn't. I, I, I guess yeah, reactions were kind of mixed. Um, yeah. But that was their big show. I like that it's starring Adam Conover as Star Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought Adam did a great I job. I thought it was, uh, well, the, the credit actually said Orion Seacrest. Orion Seacrest type. <laughs> That's Amazing. good. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, and I'm happy that it's like a single player action movie style game. I don't think it's going to be like Game of the Year or anything, but I bet it's going to be fun. And sure. it's the day of sex people. Like they make good games. Um, I don't know how many of those people are actually still left, but hey. Um, and then the Final Fantasy collection that we were talking about a little bit last week turns yeah. out to not be a collection. It's individual remasters of each game. We don't really know anything about it because their announcement of it was after. So Guardians of the Galaxy in this showcase was like 20 minutes long. Yep. And then they gave about 20 seconds to this Final Fantasy remaster collection. <laughs> and then like it was over without even showing it. anything. They're like scrolling through it the was... titles like as though they're on fire and they have to get away <laughs> from them. I was like, what? What is happening? It was so funny. It was so funny. Um, Yeah. So they announced that it was coming to Steam and mobile, um, which really just so I think it's safe to say, um, let's call this 
educated speculation that it's coming to switch and consoles at some point. Um, I don't know why they just announced it for mobile and steam (laughs) just to bother people because people were so angry at that announcement. Like the fact that it was so short and de-emphasized and only steam and mobile. Like I saw a lot of reactions. Maybe the timing is like they're for only first releasing it on steam and mobile. And then they're going to release it on consoles and switch and stuff later. I thought my theory at first was that they were going to announce the switch version of the Nintendo direct, but they didn't do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe it'll make sense later. I don't know. It's just a very Square Enix thing. Like Square Enix does things that just make no sense. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I just have no idea. Um, and then they announced Final Fantasy Origin, which had been rumored, um, the the soul Neo people making a Final Fantasy game. And I think the rumors got people really hyped up. And then the trailer was just like, oh, my God, this, well, this is, a is And not the Neo people, right? This is a yeah, separate team that- at Team Ninja. So Right. OK, Team Ninja, a different team team not the right. neo team well that was part of what the rumors were right was yeah. that right. people yes. thought it was going to be the neo yeah. team working on it and then it was yeah. just this other team yeah the yeah. rumors it's worth saying the rumors were a little bit off base which i think was a really bad thing like usually i'm all yes. for rumors rumors are great but in this case it was pretty bad because the rumors got that part wrong and also got wrong that it was a playstation exclusive and some other stuff wasn't quite right from the reporting that was out there but yeah we saw it the trailer was really disappointing i will say um, first of all, they released a demo after the show. The demo was broken. You can actually download play oh, really? it. You downloaded <laughs> it and said it was corrupted for like 24 hours. But yeah. when I finally got to play the demo on Tuesday morning, um, it's actually pretty good. The combat's pretty nice. good. Kirk, it's very much up your alley, I think. It's yeah. like very much like elaborate action combat. It feels there's some soul stuff to it in that there are bonfires and like limited potions and stuff like that. And it's got a good level of difficulty, but the action feels more almost devil may cry ish. There's a lot of elaborate combos and stuff you can do. So I'm actually pretty optimistic about the game, despite the ridiculous tone and shouting chaos and stuff like that, which is just (laughs) also very devil may cry. Actually, like I was watching that trailer. I was like, this has a lot of devil may cry vibes, like the weird outfits that are kind of like normal clothes, but like with something off about them and everything was, you know, dragging the outfits for being like too casual for Final Fantasy and so on and so forth but well what's funny is that you actually equip armor in the game and it, yeah. it shows so it's not like you're just wearing a t-shirt the whole time like the, the trailer shows. Yeah you don't have The to. game itself is more impressive than the trailer I gotta say mm-hmm. I was I was way more optimistic about the game after playing the demo. It's nice to have that be the case when so often it's the opposite. True. Yeah agreed yeah. Um, but yeah I'm excited for, for Guardians of the Galaxy I'm excited for Final Fantasy Origin I'm, and overall like I didn't think that Square had the best show um, uh, we talked about last week how we didn't expect to see Final Fantasy 16 there I think it's pretty safe to say that Sony has got that shit on lock and that Sony will do something at some point like I have no idea when but they'll show Final Fantasy 16 because I don't think that game like we're going to see that game again this year for sure I don't think it's that far away like I would I would be shocked if that wasn't a 22 2022 game um Mm -hmm. maybe it'll be latter half of 2022 i don't know but i would be shocked if 16 didn't come out next year um just based on what i had heard about it Mm. um and yeah i don't know uh kind of just a a filler conference and now we get to the big one nintendo folks nintendo really had a lot to show i was i was impressed by nintendo's showcase they said they came came into it saying they were going to show 2021 games and that they did other than breath of the wild 2 which got a trailer that we can talk about in a sec they showed metroid dread warioware um a new mario party they showed danganronpa coming to switch which i was like 
thank God for that because I just downloaded those games to to replay, and now I'm like, oh great, now I can I can wait until they come to Switch. So much better on the Switch. I wish I'm so excited. First one not on Vita. I feel like I said (laughs) that when I talked to you guys about it. I was playing on Vita, but now you have two full games to explore. Oh man, I'm so excited. We're gonna we're gonna become a Danganronpa podcast for a few weeks there. We were not too long ago. Can I just say on the on the Danganronpa tip that I always love it when I'm watching an E3 press conference and the weird niche game that a lot of people don't know comes on. That's the one that I give a shit about because yeah. so often, you know, it'll be the trailer for like Slice Hearts 5 Shattered Dimension <laughs> and it's some anime shit. Project Triangle Strategy. Yeah, sure. Hey. And you're uh, like, that's fine. Sure. Why not? Project but, Triangle Strategy is awesome. It's going to be great, yeah, but it's not for you. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm watching it and I'm being like, this is somebody's shit. I just don't know what this is. <laughs> so then I like go get a cup of coffee and it's fun yeah. when Danganronpa comes on and I'm looking at it and I was just, I had a moment watching the trailer where I was like it's funny that I know that some people are watching this being like this is somebody's shit but not mine and in this case it is it is my shit it is all it of is our shit, shit really so it that is. was exciting there were a lot of moments like that in here like I feel like the Advance Wars and like Cruisin mm-hmm. gets another game I was gonna say Advance Wars that came out of nowhere there were rumors at least that I had heard there were rumors about Metroid and WarioWare but Advance Wars I had not heard about yeah. so that was a fun surprise Advance Wars I, th- I believe it's the first two games as a yeah. re- remake reboot mm-hmm. camp and then the the series cruisin is getting a game on the switch this fall which like if you like the racing games cruisin which apparently a lot of people on my twitter timeline do because i saw a lot of <laughs> tweets of people being excited for cruisin shin megami 5 got a release date which is like really mm-hmm. cool for smt mm-hmm. fans i mean these are all fandoms yeah, that i'm leaked not beforehand, in but i so yeah i fatal you know, frame bowed also? respectfully at them yeah fatal frame yeah new fatal frame that was uh another out of or like one. i think that might be the wii u fatal frame actually i believe i saw that uh, somewhere where i thought it was new when i was watching it but i didn't play the Wii U one, so it's new to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have to talk, of course, about Breath of the Wild, too. So mm-hmm. um, one thing that, that happened that I was disappointed in was uh, Eiji Onimbo, the producer of Zelda, coming out and saying, this is it for the 35th anniversary of Zelda, and just doing, like, Skyward Sword trailer and then a Game & Watch for Zelda, which looks cool. Um, that thing could be cool. Yeah, you didn't like the Game & Watch? I feel like that was, <laughs> but that was no, a special I was for really Zelda disappointed. Fans. There had been so many rumors floating around, and this is not stuff that I had personally corroborated or reported, but there had been so many rumors floating around about Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD and Mm -hmm. I really was hoping to play those this fall I don't know if they still exist and I'll come later but like that the lack of them was disappointing to to me um, but then there was Breath of the Wild 2. We got another small glimpse at Breath of the Wild 2, which it's worth noting, Nintendo says they are aiming to release in 2022. They use those that wording in the press release. Make of that what Hopefully you Hopefully they're will. using the uh, motion control aiming, because aiming with this Joy-Con <laughs> is not easy. Yeah, not ideal, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, I was, I mean, I think just after hearing so many rumors of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, you know, expecting to hear them, but now that I think about it, it totally makes sense that they weren't there, only because there's like another Another Zelda remaster coming out right. really soon, right. and there's a long time, presumably, until uh, Breath of the Wild too. So they could, those could come if they were doing those. They could come out at any yeah, point. The thought that it was the 35th anniversary, but maybe Nintendo said, "Hey, 35. Who cares about our right. 35th yeah. anniversary?" They looked at the, like the Kirk, tier list. Kirk made a tier chart, and <laughs> well, uh, they did decide to celebrate one of the two 35th anniversaries on the right. docket in just you Mario's, know it was just yeah. only. 
No, I'm talking about Metroid, man. Metroid. I'm talking oh. about Metroid. I thought, well, but Mario had a huge 35th anniversary <laughs> well, you're right. celebration. You're that right. was the thing. You're right. Um, but yes, Metroid. It's worth noting, by the way, we didn't mention before, but they said Metroid Prime 4 development was proceeding, yes. which uh, I think means that game is still many years away. Don't sure. count on that game for a long time. I agree, and I feel like I could see it being in development hell forever mm-hmm. because I don't know. I have very, I have basically no expectations for Prime 4. I have very neutral stance on that. The Prime games are strange. Not every Metroid fan likes them. I like them, but I know that's not a popular opinion. So I actually feel like mm-hmm. announcing another 2D Metroid game from Mercury Steam, which people really like Samus Returns, including me. So they're sort of a trusted 2D Metroid maker at this point. So I, I feel like it was a pretty big win for them to, yes. to announce something like that. So Yeah, agreed. Easy, easy layout. So they have these robots in this game that are this yeah. kind of new mechanic, this idea of this thing that hunts you down. They're stalking you, yeah. Like Alien Isolation style. Yeah. Kind, I mean... I saw someone comparing Not it to that. Not as scary, but As yeah. someone who played all of Alien Isolation... No, (laughs) it's not like Alien Isolation because you aren't like, you know, peeing your pants with stress for whatever, 20 hours or however long. And you can like beat a boss and get an invisibility suit and then they just can't see you anymore. And you're fine because you're Samus freaking Aaron and you're like going to be okay. But (laughs) it is cool to introduce. I mean, anytime someone introduces a new idea to a series that's so established, because I think of Metroid, I mean, I haven't played all of them, but it's usually kind of pretty similar they don't introduce big x-factor new things like an enemy that you can't kill that's hunting you down that you have to kind of puzzle solve your way around and it's this sort of active antagonist that's a cool idea and that makes me think okay like the way you were talking maddie about how this is an actual new metroid game with like new metroid story stuff it's it's got new ideas too and that's exciting i know and the rumors had been like okay another 2d metroid but nobody had even dared speculate that it would be something like metroid dread which had been on and off the table for like 15 years or something like supposedly this fusion sequel was going to happen but like it never did and a lot of people were speculating it would just be a Metroid 1 remake that would like maybe also be by the Samus Returns developers which would be perfectly fine like that game deserves a remake Zero Mission's already kind of a remake of it but whatever it's 2021 you can remake it again so having it be a totally new game and also the like mythologized Metroid Dread finally happening is very cool it's just Mm -hmm. a cool thing for Metroid vets yeah Um, before we break we have to talk about Breath of the Wild 2, of course. Um, didn't see a ton of that. Um, it was like a 60-second long trailer. They talked about, they showed a few new mechanics. Um, it, it was made very clear, first of all, that you were playing as Link. Uh, Link with long hair, so there's some sort yes. of time jump or some sort of alternate dimension type thing going on. But it is Link. You are not playing as Zelda. Zelda, in fact, fell down a pit in the trailer, which is depressing to see. Um <laughs> Link has some cool new abilities. At one point, he's shooting fire out of his hand. He has a hand that is like all gnarly and like restored by some power or another. So clearly, he's using that for cool stuff. At one point, he teleports up through like a, a floor, which is awesome. A lot of sky stuff. It feels like very much they they said that there's an entire world in the sky above Hyrule. So that's going to be a major theme. I guess that's why they're re-releasing Skyward Sword to set us up for Skyward Breath of the Wild. Um, and yeah, I mean, certainly looks like more Breath of the wild what'd you guys make of that that new teaser we got i thought it looked really pretty it was a pretty short teaser i guess i was expecting it to be a little longer and more detailed about what the story was gonna be and like a little more explanation about Uh the world and it was mostly mechanical but that's clear that's fine but that's an e3 2022 thing i think is their blowout like the equivalent of what they did in 2016 for breath of the wild one next year since this is definitely not an early 2022 clearly not fall at the at the earliest of next year this is like e3 next year blow it out like show us the first 
half hour or whatever, sort of like what they did with the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not drawing any conclusions from that that teaser. It was, I mean, who knows what the hell we were even seeing in that or like when that happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it clearly got time travel in it. So anything goes. So yeah, I'm just, mm-hmm. it's true. I'm going to play that game and I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just hope they do some sort of twist on Zelda and she's not just like fucking needs to be rescued again. We, you know, we've talked about it a lot about how this is a sort of once bitten, fool me once, whatever the whatever the aphorism you want to go yeah. for is. <laughs> once bitten, fool me once. That's no, you know, like once bitten, twice shy. There's all these aphorisms for this sort of thing where like, yeah. you know, Lucy and the football, where it's always like, uh-huh. oh, this yep. is going to be the yep. one, their first trailer should. And yep. when they showed that first whenever that was the first trailer with Zelda with her haircut and it's like, Oh, we're going to get a play as her. And I was like, okay, they're really going to do it this time. But now, you know, it's like the same arc where you're like, Oh, maybe they're not. And Uh, then you just, it just keeps uh, being a thing. And then of course you don't. So I'm, I'm just letting go of that. And I will just see what happens. I've let go of it for so long at this point that I no longer even expect it to happen. I mean, like the people who work on those games have said so many disappointing things over the years about how like they don't see Zelda that way. And like, I've read Mm -hmm. so many interviews where they're just like, we're not interested in doing that at this time that I've just become completely jaded about the prospect of ever playing a Zelda and anything other than spinoff games like, you know, Super Smash and Hyrule Hyrule Warriors, Warriors, et cetera, et cetera. Like, of course, in like the games where everybody gets to fight. You get to be Zelda, but not the mainline Zelda games. Mm. That's just Link time. But his hair looks great. He looks does. great. His hair does. does look great, and it's it's moving around. It's flowing. Yeah, looks. It's, speaking it's of Avatar, cool. it looks like those floating mountains. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Why don't we take a break, and then we will be back with one more thing. Does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes. Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh, Probably not. I'm Emily Heller. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening, and horses and we get real stupid on here but like in a smart way yeah join us every other week on maximum fun mr robot man what are you doing i'm just taking one last look at my co-workers every journey comes to an end remember black the space will be with you always sorry who are you again Master Kieran. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Duh, you have to do it. You have to shoot Black. Okay. You shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. Oh, I'm flying. I'm flying. On April 28th, the saga starts concluding. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix. The final season on Maximum Fun. And we are back. Kirk, Manny, it is time for one more thing. Uno more thing. Kirk, why don't you start us off? Uh, sure. One day you're going to really learn how to say one more thing in Spanish. <laughs> it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be a momentous day. Um, I am playing a video game that just came out 
called Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. It's a PlayStation Ooh. 5 exclusive. Do you think that Rift Apart is supposed to be a pun on like Rift Ripped Apart? <laughs> Probably. It's Cuz Ratchet, ra- Ratchet and Clank games, yeah, they're the tab- they're so subtitles fun. are always like silly jokes. I mean, a crack in time? Yeah. Why? Crack Why in is- time. Like Kraken is an adjective that modifies time. A crack in time. Oh. I never thought about that before. This is uh-huh. me learning that it's a pun. I don't think that it's supposed to be ripped apart because he's not that's he's not saying that it's rift apart so also the game is like very serious and sad right and it's like about found family and not ripping farts i mean no I don't know. the game is not serious and sad it's okay okay no? let me no. let me rewind here so this Isn't is a, it about like ratchet fighting his family or whatever i mean so far it's it's been like a it's like a dreamworks movie like i mean oh, yeah, yeah it's like about friendship and stuff but it's not like a sad game okay. it's like a okay, kid's okay, game sure. um Fair okay enough. so let me rewind. This is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. I'm playing a copy that was sent to me by Sony. I don't have a ton of familiarity with this series. I played A Crack in Time, which is which was A Crack in Time and also cool. featured A Crack in Time. Um, but uh, it, it's amazing looking. That's the thing about this game. Like, it's really, really fun. I really like it. Um, I am playing it primarily because it's one of the best looking video games I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's so incredible looking. There's three different options for playing this game on PlayStation 5. The one that everyone should go with, I would imagine, is called Performance Ray Tracing, where they turn on ray tracing and have, like, dynamic resolution. And, like, holy crap, it looks so good. So, but it's still 60 frames a second as opposed yes, to 4K, it runs which at, is 30 frames a second. Right. I would just never want to play this game at 30. So this is a character action game. Ratchet & Clank is a long-running series. You run around. It looks It's kind of old-fashioned in that way. It just You run through pretty limited environments. You have really goofy fights with lots of enemies. In Ratchet & Clank, you get all kinds of wild guns. There's like a gun that's mm-hmm. a sprinkler that turns everyone into plants and freezes them in space. And then they like you summon a, I don't know, a like toadstool that fights alongside you and like shoot lightning. And you're just constantly switching to super crazy guns that get crazier as they level up. It's a big part of the appeal. In this one, it's all about um, dimensional rifts. So you play as Ratchet and you also play as a new character named Rivet, who is a girl Lombax, which is the sort of what what Ratchet is, the type of animal alien creature that he is. Um, he's always been the last Lombax. That's kind of the running thing. But now he goes to this parallel dimension where Rivet is the last Lombax. The two of them kind of cross over and they're like equivalents of one another. So they play the exact same. She just looks different. Um, but they, they have the same skills. So it's not like you're totally switching between two different characters. Rivet is, of course, Jennifer Hale. Proceeding mm-hmm. from there. Oh, so I was, I was going to say, um, I was playing the game and like thinking, man, this voice actor really sounds like Jennifer Hale. But it's, <laughs> it's actually a real testament to Jennifer Hale's range. She's a great, she's, I think, one of the Powerpuff Girls. She has a great anime voice and she does a good kid voice, like a much higher kind of totally up in her mask, little bouncy thing that she can do that she's kind of doing for Rivet. I have been playing a lot of Mass Effect, which, of course, features Jennifer Hale doing a very different voice. That's more of her Jennifer Hale voice, her kind of lady protagonist voice where she, I think it was Tom Bissell who described her as pouring some cement into her voice when she needs to get a little bit harder, which I thought was a nice way of describing it. And um, just hearing her range in these two games is really cool. Anyways, it's an amazing looking game. They do a lot of stuff that shows off with the PS5 hard drive can do. That's kind of one of the things they're selling it on with this technology that you they load you between split dimensions super quickly. And there are these mostly set piece sequences where you're flying through rifts 
And in the blink of an eye, you know, there's like a very brief moment in between. Suddenly you're just in a totally different place with like a whole environment loaded in. And then you fall through another rift and you're in a totally different place again with a whole new, you know, environment loaded in. It's like the sequence in Guardians of the Galaxy, I think in two, where they like warp through all of those places super fast and they're all like, it's kind of that uh-huh. sort of a vibe. Um, and it's it's really just a fun game in terms of gameplay. It's pretty in line with the series like it's not doing anything super wild and they haven't at least yet i'm like three or four hours in they haven't given me the ability to like switch rift like to go from dimension to dimension on command the way that you get that ability in like titanfall 2 or um what dishonored 2 like games that let you do that they haven't done that Mm -hmm. yet i would imagine that may happen at some point um but it hasn't yet so it's it's not like transformative but it's really cool and like i said it's just totally wild to see a game look this good like the stylized art style just really lets them make it perform so well and they just feel everything the way the light hits things it's really made me realize this and actually playing minecraft with ray tracing just why like graphics and art people are so excited about ray tracing like that seems like the thing that is just going to continue to get better and better and better Mm. as processing power increases and it really like tricks your eye it's just that subtle thing where like the way that light hits something as it's moving past it you're just like, whoa, <laughs> like it just kind of <laughs> makes you do a double take. So it's a really delightful game. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's fun. I played through the intro. It's it's cool. Um, yeah. I, I wish that my kid was old enough to play it because I would totally play with her. Mm-hmm. It seems very, very kid friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Maddie, what's your one more thing? OK, so my one more thing is Bo Burnham, director, comedian. And I watched <laughs> two different Bo Burnham projects last week before E3, which feels like a thousand years ago. And they were the movie Eighth Grade mm-hmm. and also his Netflix comedy special, which just came out and it's called Inside. And people have probably seen a lot of movies. Is it a comedy about special? It. I don't know about Theoretically. comedy. <laughs> it's certainly got funny moments. And yes, it does. It, but it's more of a bleak. I'm not sure how else I would describe it. Yeah. Did you watch it, Jason? I did. I yeah. thought it was a little much for me. Yeah. I would I don't disagree with you. So like I watched eighth grade first. And I wish I had just stopped there because I really mm. loved it. Yeah. Eighth so grade eighth grade is a movie. So I, yeah, I guess you saw it, Kirk. I was going to yeah. ask you too if you saw it. I I really recommend it. It's definitely dark, as is all of Bo Burnham's work in comedy. It's, he's clearly like into rotating around a black hole, mental health wise, and just staring into it from time to time. And that's like just what his work is about. So you kind of have to be on board for that. It's just like there's a sort of sticker with content warning suicide on like everything he produces Mm -hmm. all the time. And you just kind of know that going in. Um, But eighth grade is all about a girl who's in eighth grade and her life. And Bo Burnham is not in it and in creating the movie like he allowed the eighth graders or the kids kid actors who are in the movie to improvise a lot and like have a lot of takes on how the movie proceeded and it just feels super real and fresh and I think especially after watching Inside that he actually seems a lot more comfortable making strong statements when they're not coming directly from him because Mm. so much of inside is nominally about his own mental health and like his struggles with suicide ideation during the pandemic and isolation. And he writes songs about these things that are sort of funny, but like sort of not funny and you're sort of worried about him. But it, it seems almost as though looking directly at that stuff from his own perspective is just not, he seems glib at times, I would say, because it's like you you can never forget, or at least I can never forget that he's a millionaire and that he actually also has a wife who's off screen and he's never really yeah, all that isolated. Maddie, so 
I was going to ask you about that. So inside is like the whole premise is that he's stuck in this little shitty like one one right. bedroom apartment or studio apartment that's like you can see the sink and the bed and he sleeps in it and stuff. But like he is a millionaire and clearly has a much bigger house than that. Like is this all just a charade this for the sake of the art or did he like lock himself in this I mean, thing I don't what? know, but I assume it's a charade for the sake of the art and I don't see that as a bad thing. Like charade has okay. sort of a negative connotation, but I feel like sure, it's yeah. more just a piece of art about the idea of being locked inside and being only connected to other people through the internet. But then at the very end, in the credits, he dedicates the movie to his wife. I don't know if you noticed that. They've been married since 2013. Seems like a healthy relationship, at least from the Mm -hmm. outside. So like... I, I just kept thinking about that. And I was like, I don't think it mean. I don't think that if you're a millionaire doesn't mean you don't still have, you know, suicide ideation or depression. Like, it's not like those things just go away because you have access to mental health services and like connection and other other means that people don't have. Especially during a pandemic. When right. No matter how big but your house is, you still have to stay inside. That's yeah. true. But it's also like Bo Burnham's experience of the pandemic was actually pretty different than a whole right. lot of people's. And that comparison doesn't really benefit him. But also the only person he could make art with kind of was himself during the pandemic. And he clearly made this so that he wouldn't totally lose it. He needed to do something. But I still felt like watching it was kind of weird and bad. And I was like, I don't know if this worked, especially after watching eighth grade, which I thought was so well done. So I really recommend it. It's on Hulu. Inside is on Netflix. But eighth grade of the two, I think really showed me that Bo Burnham could direct something really interesting about the internet and online culture and kids and how they perceive it. And inside like has its moments, but I don't know. It's kind of glib. That's mm-hmm. my thought. Nice. Cool. Good stuff. Um, okay, cool. So my one more thing is a video game. So uh, a couple months ago, I saw a thread on the message board reset era saying that Resetera. this game is now reset <laughs> Yes. That this game is now the top rated game of all time on Metacritic. It has a hundred. It beats out the legend of Zelda Ocarina of time and uh, Grand Theft Auto and pro Tony Hawk's pro skater Two, which is also up there is called the house in Feta Morgana. And it was just released on the switch in April. It had a hundred on Metacritic with only seven reviews granted, but it's still at a hundred on Metacritic. Now, since then it's gone to 98. So anyway, since then that game has been on my radar. I was like, if he going back and forth, should I buy this? It's four, 40 bucks. So I was like, man, for an indie game, that's a little steep. Then finally decided to pull the trigger when I saw a colleague of mine, Natalie Flores, talking about how amazing it was. So this game, House in Feta Morgana, is a visual novel, and that is in the strictest sense of it. It is only a book. There's, there's, I think I've made maybe like two choices over the course of like five, six hours playing it. So it's mostly just reading. And it is quite a ride, my friends. It is epic Mm. so far. I can see why it's so highly rated, because it is quite the story. Um, I won't get into super detail because uh, I have not finished it yet and I will probably talk about this again down the road. Um, but essentially it is it is uh, about this this giant mansion that is supposedly cursed and you're you kind of you play as this guy who ha- has no recollection of who he is but is apparently the master of this mansion and you meet this maid who tells you these stories about other people in the mansion and so so far I've seen three of these stories and they're all like epic and heartbreaking and incredible and they're like stories that jump around in time one of them is like in the 1800s another of them is in the 1600s and they tell these stories of like these people who have these horrible fates as a result of being part of the mansion and they're about like love and loss and betrayal and it's really really good you guys it's Mm. something Maddie especially you would really really like Um, the art like 
I kind of bounced off the art at first, but I've grown to really appreciate it. The the characters kind of look, have a kind of a strange look, but I've grown to really dig it. And yeah, man, I will talk more about this once I've finished it, once I played a lot more, because I imagine there's a lot of like twists and turns and awesome stuff to come, but I am really into it so far. It's called The House in Feta Morgana. It's been out on PC for a while, just came to Switch in April. So pretty recent release on Switch. And yeah, like I said, currently is a 98 on Metacritic. Nice. So, uh, it's as good as Ocarina of Time. We respect Number Metacritic four, all time. slavishly. Yes. It's all we care about is Metacritic yeah. scores. So that's that matters. <laughs> but for real, though, it sounds cool. Yeah, I will say, though, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the top 10 on Metacritic are pretty heavy hitters. It's yeah, like GTA sure. 4, Super Mario Galaxy, Red Dead 2. Um, Just Ocarina a list of time. horrible games everybody hates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. That is it for this week's episode. Kirk, Maddie, see you both next time. See you both next time. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.